My word. Seriously, what a frantic race weekend. There's just so much to talk about here on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium today. And so we will do just that. Well, of course, we have to discuss the accident three years in the making and ask so many questions around it. We also have to discuss, well, is this genuinely a true Mercedes comeback for the rest of the season? Finally, we discuss more about the penalties. That's more on just the incident between Verstappen and Hamilton. But after that, there is so much in the midfield, so much to speak about Ferrari and Charles Leclerc and we discuss well did Ferrari blow it or did they over deliver we also have the stats review by Sundaram returning for this race weekend but as you can see on the title the critical question that we are going to answer here did Hamilton take things just a little bit too far more on this on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium let's begin well, hello there, folks. Welcome along to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium for the British GP review. My name is Samuel Arora, joined as always by the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team in Kunal Shah. And Kunal, seriously, I think what defines this particular race today was the fact that we had a revolutionary format change only a day ago, and nobody's talking about that today. That's how impactful, that's how heavy, and that's how entertaining today's race was, really. How much do you rate it today? Well, you know, the race was pretty exciting. Needless to sort of say that <laughs> and state that in as many words. And obviously, it was made exciting by that opening lap crash that we saw. And I think, mm. you know, over the 52-odd laps that we had the race for, uh, the, the crash between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton was a talking point, even though it didn't you know, sort of their battle didn't last more than 10 corners of the opening lap. So clearly that became the big talking point. It's going to be the talking point all the way through to even Hungary, I would say. In fact, it might be a talking point for several, several more years to come. It's going to be, you know, how we look yeah. back at some of the Senna Prost moments and the Nigel Mansell and all these moments of the past. We're going to look back at this one and be like, oh my God, what actually happened there? And that's exactly what we are going to discuss right here today, Samal, aren't we? Absolutely. That's on the agenda. In a second, we will discuss more about the crash and everything. But clearly, the Manscaped lawnmower moment of the day has to unfortunately go to Max Verstappen. But let's let's actually stress upon this for 30 seconds. The reason why you hear everyone on every single podcast and every single F1 show in the world today say, oh, I'm so glad that Max Verstappen is out, you might be feeling, come on, don't be so vanilla. Say it, he's all right. Formula One is so safe now that it's not a big deal that people walk out. Guys, only a few years ago, we all know what's happened in the world of motorsport. Let's not, let's genuinely be grateful for a moment like this one because the 51G impact is just quite something else. And Kunal, you've been watching the sport for far longer than I have. I think you started way back in the 90s. Can you imagine a 51G impact at that point? I mean, it was incredible. Just the sheer speed at which the cra crash happened. Mm. You know, it was pretty much the fastest corner of the circuit. It's taken yeah. almost flat out. You know, they would have never, they wouldn't have been flat out on the opening, you know, uh, lap of the race, given the fuel loads and so on. But definitely a really, really fast crash. The gravel didn't do much to slow the car down either, you know. Yeah. And uh, to, to put it this way, Samuel, you know, there is this clip doing the rounds uh, of the internet, which, of course, Formula One did not broadcast for all the right reasons. Uh, mm. An audio clip of Max Verstappen's immediately after the crash while he was in the cockpit. And, uh, you know, uh, the team asked him, Max, are you okay? 
and he just mumbled mumbled moaned he you know blurted out an expletive mumbled moaned he actually didn't say much and in yeah. that in itself actually said a lot about Uh, you know how heavy the crash was and in some ways for me at least it was a peep into the darker side of the sport that we actually don't like to see you know mm. max for all that aggression for all that nothing can beat me attitude sounded all beaten bruised and it's it, it's we're glad that max walked away like he wrote about as well on his social media but that was definitely a scary crash and we had like a 35 40 minute break just because you know his car was devastated uh and yeah. and then the barriers needed repair and so on devastated is the right word for that car i, I was watching the race with a friend of mine we were shocked and we were it, it felt like a person had died when you saw that car it was that badly bruised it, it's just a human thing you just wasn't a sight you wanted to watch but before we get to analyzing the incident and the penalties and more on that one the key question that we're trying to answer today kunal is did hamilton get carried away and verstappen clearly think he did because from a social media post he said that he was disrespectful in celebration now to put the facts clear hamilton did ask about verstappen during the red flag and hamilton wasn't apparently told about his condition until after his celebrations were done but still carried away doesn't just mean in terms of his celebrations but also in terms of the move that he made at turn number one. that that's a lovely point that he mentioned before we started recording today yeah i mean you know that just revolves around this whole conversation was there a need for a penalty and you know if there was a need for a penalty was it a lenient penalty or was it a harsh penalty and so on and you know i, I i'm i'm still not fully clear because i i guess even the fi is not clear and after a point they just have to make a decision and then you know yeah. their decision is also also influenced by a lot of historical decisions they've made like we saw even in the race in austria so to me i wish they would have passed it off as uh, a racing incident you know they've said they are little more lenient on the opening lap of the race and so on and but i guess that of course didn't happen uh, in which case you know uh, they of course said that lewis was guilty and i think if he was found guilty maybe a 10 second time penalty was a little too lenient maybe i would have yeah. expected a 10 second stop and go penalty and you know the various the the the, the most uh, how do i say the heaviest in race penalty is what i would put it and why yeah. are we talking about this because you know various replays various uh, former drivers and again depending on which former drivers commentary and viewpoint you would actually like as as a viewer you are bound to take sides and you know karun chandok of course was on one side we had damon hill and jensen button on the other side and the likes and and yeah. to to me it seemed that lewis knew at the back of his head i need to get max on the opening lap of the race yeah. right and pulling off something special in front of the british fans giving something back to them for all the you know all the passion they you know share with him was probably what carried him away a fair bit i would say uh, right and that that's where i would say his carried away status falls in line with with how i would think as well honestly i don't care about how he celebrates and what he celebrates as that's all you know that's all the showmanship which i'm yeah. not sort of interested in seriously though the, the fact is clear 
we will discuss more on what if Verstappen was in the race and more about Mercedes has come back in a minute or two. But the fact is clear. That was some remarkable drive. Penalty or not, penalty was there. Hamilton came back superbly. But the alarming fact is, even with that 10-second penalty, it wasn't shocking that Lewis won. Deep down in our mind, we all knew that he was eventually going to. That's the gulf that Mustapin and Hamilton have built up to all the others. Perez obviously having a very terrible race. And the same can be said for Bottas, all things considered. So just, just have to salute how on top of their game both these drivers are. But more on that accident in a second. More about this one. And honestly, Kunal, it feels a lot like you know those old romantic books of sorts that the authors write where you have two lovers and they finally after years, eventually end up making that special contact. And there's passion, there's excitement, there's drama, except in this case, there's no love. And this <laughs> battle finally seems to have gotten the gloves out. Gone is the goody old PR robot that Verstappen used to be. And all drivers used to be, for that matter. The comments are raw. And that is when you know that it's hit a nerve. This is genuinely turning up to be an amazing battle, probably. They've just turned that switch on right now. And, and that's what I love to see, finally. Yeah, they have. And, you know, we saw Christian Horner, Helmut Marko. Uh, we saw we saw both of them saying, Max, sorry, uh, Hamilton deserves a far more stricter penalty for what he did. And it seems like that, you know, and there are, there are two points mm. to this, right? The reason why we all think the penalty wasn't sufficient, right? And uh, I'm saying this could be one of the reasons, right? is because of the outcome of the crash. You know, it just put Verstappen in the wall, out of the race, and, uh, you know, completely down to uh, zero points in the tally, right? So that was one thing. And the second was the ease with which, uh, you know, what do you say? The ease with which Lewis could even come back and and claim the win. And frankly, I'll, I'll also put it this way, that Lewis actually drove a wonderful race to win just that maybe it seemed hollow to a lot of people because of the crash and the nature of that crash, right? And yeah. that said, you know, I'm, I'm also going to talk about how I see Max Verstappen's view as well. Was Max a little too aggressive? And is this what, you know, he should expect if he keeps throwing such aggression at Lewis, you know, in, on the opening laps? Should he be the only one, uh, you know, uh, having a carefree driving attitude? And should Lewis be the one sort of holding back because of all his experience and, you know, those talks that we have? And mm-hmm. and and in my view, and this is my reading of the weekend, the Park Fermi rules, and I, Samuel, you and I touched upon this yesterday in the sprint review as right. well. The Park Fermi rules is what Verstappen spoke about after the F1 sprint. And then he said, Mercedes are the fastest, we are the slowest, but there's nothing we can do about this. And maybe this was at the back of Max's mind as well on the opening lap, that Hmm. if Lewis made the move, took the lead, he probably did not have the straight line speed advantage to get the position back on track. And that's probably what triggered Max Verstappen into making the aggressive move that he did as well. And that's what Karun Chandok spoke about, that Max turned in extremely aggressively. So a lot that goes, you know, between both the drivers and, and you know, how they're going to, how they would view this situation. And just to add to your romantic uh, story, uh, Samil, <laughs> if I may, and that's, that's your thought, right? It's wonderful, I say. Uh, this is not the last time Max and Lewis are going to be in this situation. And what I am waiting to see is if either of them change how they behave in a wheel-to-wheel battle 
after this situation because they're going to be racing together for the seasons to come and hopefully they're going to be battling together because they both their teams give them cars worthy enough to take to a battle with the other 50 shades of gray area in the terms of so it's ruling in this case bark i mean bahrain was gray this is even grayer in this case if you want to put it that way I mean, one one wonders what's going to happen later on this season. Fireworks it is going to be between Hamilton and Verstappen all the way through. And and you're absolutely right in the sprint qualifying as well. We saw what happened. One driver took the lead in the start and eventually ended up dominating. And that was the thing. Uh, F1, we've often discussed, is it just a lap one sport? It's not, to be honest. But but really, that was a bit crazy. But let's, let's get back on that thought, Gunal, about Verstappen's race and about Hamilton's win. Had Verstappen been there, it's it's sort of hard to imagine. But then again, that's the same point we discussed. He wasn't. So Hamilton was clear down the line to end up taking this big win. Really, though, it's it raises it raises so many questions about Mercedes's comeback. And of course, the next question that we have to discuss on this part is is this a genuine Mercedes comeback on the way? The grades were there. We definitely saw a rise in pace, but would you sort of account this to the Park Fermi rules changing and Mercedes having locked in that sort of high straight line setup? Or is this more of a genuine setup, uh, genuine, uh, sorry, parts-based comeback that they've got with the new upgrade coming in? You know, for We Are Sport, when we interviewed Lewis Hamilton post-race, he mm. actually said that we have made a step forward, but Red mm. Bull is still the quicker car. And, you know, guys, the step forward is, the difference is actually two tenths or Two and a half tenths, not even three tenths, right? Yeah. So the fact is that it seemed after a lot of races that Lewis and Mercedes were able to take the battle to Max and Red Bull with far more ease than the previous few races. So to, in my view, their step forward seems far more genuine now this time. And that whole, uh, you know, that whole exciting upgrade thing has actually worked in the case of Lewis Hamilton. And that to me was actually, it's, it's great to know uh, because this is the kind of momentum that they needed to break for Red Bull. Of course, not in this way. For anyone thinking that Lewis did this on purpose, would you know? You would definitely be surprised to know that it could have very well been Lewis out of the race because it's a high-stakes game, right? It could have been yeah. both drivers out. It could have been a far harsher penalty. So no driver has, of course, done this on purpose, right? But yes, yeah. I think Mercedes's you know, uh, upgrades have delivered a little bit of more extra performance to make the title battle only that much more interesting, Samuel. All things considered, though, Hamilton win number 99. He's a lot closer to Max in the championship standings. But there's an alarming stat that I read somewhere on Twitter uh, before recording this video. And it was that Max has not finished the race lower than second in this season, which is why that even though he's had two mega high-profile DNFs in Baku and here at Silverstone, that's what it is. He's still the championship leader. Goes to show that this man has really evolved quite a fair bit over the years, to be honest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Max has done a, a fair bit, I would say. Uh, and imagine that his, he's always finished on the podium if he's finished a race. And Samil, yeah. I have an interesting question for you, right? Okay. Would the reactions, and you, you're, you're a commentator as well. You've commented uh -huh. on several motorsport races. Would the reactions have been any different had Max Verstappen done this to Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> Ah, you you you've hit it right. You've hit a right nerve there. It's got, it's got me wondering. To be honest, yes, it makes a huge impact. So to put it this way, 
if Danny Kefir was the one making the accident, every, and, and suppose this was, say, 2016, of course people would get back down on him because of the history that Kefir would have had at that point of time. Same with Max. There's this, this sort of reputation that Max brings in that, oh, he's hot-headed. Even though he's evolved, he still brings that raw, parting-like aggression to him. So, I think genuinely, yes. Uh, and even if the place was different, what if this had happened at Zanvort and Max would have been the one doing it? Think about that. Crazy, exactly. Yeah, the, the fan power, you know, always comes into play out here as well. And, you know, yeah. maybe all the commentators we listen to and <laughs> a lot of them that we listen to in English are British, right? And those are where mm-hmm. all the human biases come in as well, right? And there are, actually, there are actually several biases that come in because it crashes happen a lot of times because of driver error and then even the stewarding that goes into judging these crashes can bring in a lot of these biases as well i'm not going to explain that point any further i'm assuming you guys have understood where i'm trying to go but you know this 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 just sets up a far more exciting title battle i mean unfortunate but you know max's lead has been cut down to i think seven points red bull racing's lead has been cut down to four points and now all eyes on hungary and you know what each team's packages and drivers are able to deliver out there. And since yeah. we're talking, since we're talking about Red Bull and their lead, the one thing that would have hurt Red Bull even more so, Somil, was that Checo Perez could take just one point away from Lewis Hamilton and not 25 more points. What they actually want, despite all the love yeah. and all the consistency that Checo Perez is able to bring, what they actually want is if Max doesn't win. Checo takes the win, like he did that in Baku, right? But Checo just had one of his worst weekends that I can remember. In fact, this is what I'm going to quiz Sundaram into, you know, saying at some point. When was the last time Checo Perez had such a bad Grand Prix weekend? And and in my view, he's had he's made two driver errors in hmm. the last two Grand Prix weekends in Austria and in Silverstone, and that That's is right. very very uncharacteristic of him. Yeah, and, and Sundaram's got a very good point on the last time Mercedes, um, so last time the Red Bull teams weren't, not not a single Red Bull car was on the podium is what I meant to say. It's a long, long while ago. But more on that stuff in the second part. We're going to be back in a second. Stay right here. A lot more stuff, including discussing the lobbying, including discussing Sundaram's stats review, and of course, Ferrari in the second part. Stay right here on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium. Welcome back, folks, to part two of our British GP review on Pits the Podium and the Inside Line F1 podcast. If you're wondering what this part two business is all about on the video, top right-hand corner is the place to go. That's where you will find the first part. But on the audio, things are seamless. Welcome back in. And the question that we have to ask Kunal about this win for Lewis Hamilton is that, does it feel slightly hollow in a way? You know, it all depends uh, how we see it. So in, in my view, uh, the emotions we are all bringing to the table, Samil, are, mm. you know, firstly the crash and our reaction to the crash and then mm. the penalty that Lewis got, which which didn't stop him from winning the race. So our reaction to that race. So at some level, it feels a little hollow that, hey, you know, Lewis was found guilty of eliminating his arch rival and found guilty by the FIA, not my words, the FIA's words. He was given a penalty, but he could still go and win the race. And that, that's what sort of makes it feel hollow. And like, like I said earlier, he actually, uh, you know, turned around and delivered a fantastic race. He drove to his strategy. He, he pulled off all the moves. 
again into cops, you know, uh, a, a corner, the corner at which he had his incident with Max Verstappen. He showed how he could do it with the other drivers. And the, the point out here being that when he overtook Norris and when he overtook uh, Charles Leclerc, he was clearly the faster driver. The incident with Max mm. happened because both of them were matched for pace going into that corner. Both cars, both drivers were equally matched. That wasn't the case with Norris and Charles Leclerc, right? But that's where it sort of feels hollow. And then, of course, Lewis was aided by a team order, which you know clearly yeah. again shows Mercedes is thinking of that eighth world title for Lewis, obviously. You know, they should think so because that will rewrite all the Schumacher Ferrari memories that we all have by breaking that record. And by the way, Bottas is still lower than Lando Norris in the championship standings. And so is Sergio Perez as well. Let that sink in. It is jaw-dropping how good Lando Norris has been. But more on him and Ferrari in a few moments. About the penalties, Kunal, about Mercedes and all the things that we saw and heard. During the break, we caught an absolutely unbelievable piece of access from FIA and Formula One, where we saw the team radios, rather heard the team radios, you can't see team radio, right? But you heard the team radio of Michael Massey being phoned in firstly by Jonathan Wheatley, I think that's his name, uh, Red Bull's chief engineer, and also by Toto Wolf. Now, Toto Wolf sent an email to Michael Massey and said that, okay, Michael, I sent you a diagram about where people should be side by side at Cops Corner. You know what should make the right decision. And Michael Massey just said one thing, I don't check my emails during race weekends. That is how focused you should be while doing your work, guys. Take an example of that. But seriously, Kunal, it felt a bit childish. That, that penalty, all the lobbying, it really felt that this crash turned Mercedes and Red Bull into school kids in a way. And, and do you think this sort of lobbying is getting a bit silly? It's a question asked by David Croft. Uh, on the Sky F1 broadcast immediately when it happened. But it's worth a discussion. I think it genuinely feels a bit, I don't know, uh, well, what's, what's the right word am I looking for here? It, it's just a bit insane, a bit childish in a way. You know, I like how you put it, that they were like school kids going and complaining to yeah. the head headmaster or the headmistress, you know. and yeah. uh, But it just goes to show, this actually has been happening for over the years, Somil. It happens yeah. in the boardrooms. Now we are seeing it happening on the racetrack as well. <laughs> as in, it's been happening on the racetrack. We have just been given access to it. And yeah. I, I really loved how we also saw this whole corporate hierarchy in place. Jonathan Wheatley, by the way, is the sporting director when he spoke and then Christian Horner spoke. It was like, you know, hey, I'm escalating it to my boss. And that's where <laughs> you're getting, getting this. So you better listen to us. So that lobbying has always been around in the sport. Yeah. We are now getting unparalleled access to that. And by the way, a great, uh, you know, management uh, mantra from you when you're doing your work. Do not check your emails from you and from Michael <laughs> Massey, Samuel. Yeah, exactly. I'm still getting a hang of it. Michael Massey is just an expert at that this stage. And also, a quick reminder, reason why Michael Massey was not able to do anything about it is because he's not the one who makes the decisions. I generally wasn't aware of that. It's Emmanuel Piro and basically the lead steward of that race who decides. And so Michael Massey, even if he did check his email, he'd sort of be powerless in a situation like that one, which is something that Toto Wolf and Christian Honor forgot in the heat of the moment. By the way, fun discovery by Ted Kravitz. Toto Wolf was marching off, of course, to speak to the stewards, but he didn't know where the stewards were. So he ended up going to the media center first. <laughs> that was an error he made right there. 
almost comical that one it's, it's he probably wanted to call for a trial by media to get lewis exonerated <laughs> from that crash but they'd be laughing they'll be happy that lewis got away a little leniently from such a crash that's my that's my gut feeling about this you know some yeah exactly second lenient uh, the second most lenient penalty that they could have given was the one awarded to lewis hamilton again we answered the question earlier on was the win made a bit too hollow but as we discussed in part 1 that's just the difference between hamilton and verstappen and all the other drivers down there just just on another level but it's time for something special something that we want to present to you I think after one race weekend and i'm so glad that sundaram is back here goes it's time for our stats review by sundaram right here Thank you, Samuel. It's time for our usual stats review segment. Biggest talking points from the British Grand Prix today, obviously, are Lewis Hamilton winning the race after taking a 10-second time penalty, and Max Verstappen, the pole sitter, crashing out on lap one. So the stats from today's review are going to be around these two characters. First of all, Lewis Hamilton became the third driver after Ayrton Senna and Michael Schumacher to have the privilege of driving around a section that's named after them. Uh, as you obviously know the start finish straight at silverstone is now called the hamilton straight now uh, we had a red flag today at the british grand prix so that's the eighth time uh, a race at silverstone has seen the red flag uh, but the interesting point is the last four ones have all seen british drivers win the race including today lewis hamilton took his 99th victory in formula 1 and he's very very close to that century landmark something that he's going to probably achieve sooner than later but his eighth win at silverstone meant he tied the record for the most victories at any one circuit uh, a record that he shares with michael schumacher who has eight wins at magnico and some and lewis hamilton himself who has eight wins at the hungaro ring something that he's going to try and uh, surpass next week uh, in, the, in the next couple of weeks in hungary uh, and another record that hamilton did break today is the is the one for the most consecutive podiums at any one circuit he has nine podiums at silverstone since uh, 2014 if i'm not wrong moving on to the red bull camp things are going to be pretty heated up at milton keynes today why uh, because this is the first time we've not had a, a red bull car on the podium since the 2020 sakhir grand prix that's quite a while ago and the red bull team go back home with just three points today courtesy of max verstappen's pole uh, pole yesterday Uh, but mercedes go home with 43 points and that's obviously benefited them to a great extent in the drivers and the constructors standings and the last stat for today is that max verstappen has the highest retirement percentage amongst drivers who've completed at least two seasons since 2015 2015 is the year when max verstappen debuted in formula 1 now obviously uh, it's pretty debatable because a lot of retirements of of his also were because of mechanical issues and in luck like we saw at azerbaijan but it's a fairly high number something which max verstappen is going to hope doesn't increase uh, more in the 2021 season because obviously battling for the championship well that was the stats review i hope you guys liked it i'll catch you guys at the hungarian grand prix got to love it seriously every single one of those stats especially the one about sakir that he mentioned It's been a while. It's seriously been a while since Red Bull haven't quite been right there in a situation where they haven't had any one of their cars on the podium. But we've discussed about Max. We've discussed about Sergio Perez. Now, Kunal, I think it is a very, very good time to discuss about Ferrari. And I've got this question in my mind, and I'd love to know your take on that. Did Ferrari blow it, or did they over deliver? Leclerc was gutted, by the way, on the team radio when he 
of course, finished the race and realized that he hadn't won it. And and he, of course, by the way, had led it all the way through until lap 50 or something there or thereabout. And genuinely, did they did they blow it? I, I think quite the opposite, you know. I think Ferrari punched way above their weight. Had it not been for slow pit stops, and a slow pit stop, I'm sorry, for Carlos Sainz. More on that in a second. They would have had an even better weekend. And this time, it's a bit alarming that Ferrari, and that's something that Alex Albon mentioned on the F1 post-race show, that they can do it at Monaco, and they can do it at a circuit that is just the bang opposite at Silverstone as well. They've got that package sort of working a little bit better now, finally. It definitely seems like that. You know, in the build-up to the British Grand Prix, one of the things that both Ferrari drivers actually said is, we are expecting a repeat of our tyre issues from France. And that's what, if you guys remember, that's what happened, uh, you know, at the French Grand Prix, the tyres dropped off and, you know, the 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 issues that we've been joking about for Ferrari's tyres. This time, the issue was with uh, maybe a software or a sensor issue with Charles Leclerc's Ferrari power unit. And it was, you know, it was uh, 2019 Bahrain all over again in our minds. Oh, wow. uh, and to my mind, it was also 2019, uh, was it 2019? Yeah, 2019 Monza when, you know, Charles and Max, uh, sorry, Charles and Lewis went wheel to wheel as well. But I think Ferrari definitely over delivered this Grand Prix weekend. And it sort of feels good when we don't have expectations and then suddenly the red cars are the ones <laughs> in the fight. You know, I think it's when it's the reverse is where, the, where our emotions take over and be like, oh my God, that's Ferrari being Ferrari yet again. So fantastic stuff by Charles. Uh, you know, I, I think every every second odd lap, every time Charles went onto the radio, we were wondering if he's saying anything more about the power unit. Guys, it's cut off again. That became his standard copy-paste <laughs> message. Or we were wondering, is, is this where he'll turn around and say, my tires are finished? You know, he'll probably learn from Lewis and say, my tires are gone. And Ferrari would reply saying, copy understood. We are looking into it. You know, one of those things. And Yes, slow bit stuff for Carlos Sainz, which he was pretty, uh, you know, downbeat in the post-race interviews, uh, you know, that I sat through. And he was convinced he could have been P5 had there not been a slow pit mm-hmm. stop. Uh, but slow pit stops, some, lots of drivers had slow pit stops. You know, Lando yeah. Norris also had a slow one. And yeah. the the other puzzling slow stop for me was Lewis Hamilton's stop because he had hmm. he had the 10 second penalty, but he also had a four second long pit stop. So I don't know if Mercedes, you know, penalized themselves by a second or two more, or they just <laughs> genuinely had a slow stop there. Uh, like challenger tournaments in tennis, right? Where you count your own lines and you count whether the ball is out or not. But generally, a word on pit stops. I was wondering, what is this all about? What is this all happening? And then I thought, well, I think McLaren, Ferrari and Mercedes were just following the memo that FIA sent out for Hungary. (laughs) Only thing is they forgot to read the date. So they thought it was starting right here at Silverstone. So they said, okay, we'll go for slow pit stops. I didn't think they expected to be this much. But the context is on the battle. The context is on McLaren and Ferrari. And I swear... This was such a race weekend. Again, if we're wondering where Sainz could have finished without that slow stop, imagine where Lando Norris could have been in a situation like that. Imagine if he didn't have those issues right there. This battle, Kunal, uh, I don't think it has uh, that sort of headline quality that Verstappen versus Hamilton does, but it is a solid midfield battle that generally, if that battle at the top doesn't happen, I think this is good enough for me to tune in and watch the race. You can't tune in these days, but log in to watch the race. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll I'll put it this way, Samuel, that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Lando Norris was convinced that he could also have been on the podium had it not been for a yeah. slow stop. So 
a fantastic day for drivers wanting to be on the podium. They were just let down by slower pit stops, I would say. But so nostalgic to see McLaren versus Ferrari at its peak. Yeah. All four of their drivers were in the mix. Daniel Ricciardo included. He was right up there yeah. next to Lando Norris. And, you know, he's just going to look to hope to repeat this performance before he can take the leap forward in, in front and, and finish uh, in front of uh, Lando Norris at some point. Absolutely. But what about Fernando Alonso today, Canal? We pointed him out as someone to watch out for. Of course, after the sprint race yesterday, he was pretty good today. I think P7, he said in his post-race interview, was the maximum that they could extract. And he's done that. Five races in a row that Alpine have gotten points. They're on to something right here. Absolutely. Fernando was like definitely the star of the whole weekend, you know. Mm. Uh, he was shining on Saturday in sprint, F1 sprint. Uh, and then he was shining on the Sunday as well. He's he's been over delivering as we've you know always known him to deliver. And you know that's one of the things about the British Grand Prix weekend. We all signed up thinking it we're going to see two starts, right? And we actually ended up having three starts, uh, two starts today, one start yesterday, and each of the starts was fascinating by itself. And the only driver not fascinating in the starts was uh, was Valtteri Bottas. He actually went backwards at one point, uh, you know, at, at both the starts. So yes. something for him to to look into. And uh, my funniest moment of the ra- of the race, and I don't know if this was broadcast on on the uh, on the live Formula One feed, oh. was was I it know. was I, okay. know. I think it was yep. Was when Lance Stroll suddenly went onto the radio and he said, Hey guys, there's something amiss. And then he says, Can you check the car? Can you check the tires? He said, Maybe the helicopter flew a little too low. I've never seen something like that before. Have you? Mind-blowing. Got me laughing that one. Saw it online that. And also his teammate as well. Oh, I, I know we haven't spoken about this yet. It's a sad note to end on, but. I think maybe we shouldn't put an ice bag on the top of our head before going for a race restart because seemingly <laughs> if you follow the after this therefore because of this sort of mantra, that's the reason why Sebastian Vettel became the old Sebastian Vettel. Sadly, not the one we liked though. The 2018 version is what we ended up seeing and he spun out. But Aston Martin, man, these, these guys have been on fire. <laughs> it's coming up with great, great humor all the way through. What a tremendous race weekend all the way around Canal. Next up, we go to Hungary. That one is again going to be intriguing because traditionally it's been a Mercedes track, but the last time we were there, Verstappen put up a big fight. Hamilton, of course, stole it over to the end. I don't know. I'm very, very excited for this one. But your final thoughts as we leave the British Grand Prix and sort of enter the last race before the summer break? Well, the title battle is as tough and as close as we would love for it to be. Uh, as much as you know, Max would have loved uh, the cushion of 32 odd points plus a few more from this weekend. I'm mm. pretty happy that the two drivers are neck and neck. Uh, of course, we wouldn't want them to sort of be in, involved in crashes the way they were today. But I guess yep. both drivers will get wiser and smarter the next time they are uh, locked in wheel-to-wheel battle. That's my reading, Samuel. How about you? I think it was inevitable, as I mentioned earlier, on three years in the making. So it had to happen at some point. The question was when, not if, we finally got the answer. And now it sort of adds the spice to it. It sort of makes it extra special, extra spicy, knowing that, I mean, unfortunately, Verstappen had to go to the hospital. He was injured. He took it personally, this one. 
And it may just be more emotional than ever, which means more rewarding for us as a storyline. And I hope, frankly, that Verstappen is okay. That's the most biggest priority right now. But folks, thank you for watching uh, this episode and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one. And if you did, you don't know. I mean, I, I don't need to tell you what to do, right? You've been watching videos on YouTube and listening to podcasts on Spotify, whatever platform it is, for years now. Subscribe, follow, like, share, and all the likes. Make sure that you give us a very good review. And thank you so much for being a part of this one. Folks, we shall see you for the next coming up next time. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.